This episode is proudly brought to you by Lululemon. Athleisure brand Lululemon and Movember proudly unite for the third year of their partnership to improve men's well-being through movement, mindfulness, and connection. Check out Lululemon's Movember product collection at lululemon.com.au. episode 263 of the Inside Running podcast. It hasn't been a huge week in terms of running results, but there's still plenty for us to, to discuss. We'll be reviewing some Lulu Lemon gear, and Jess Stenson, who finished ninth at last week's New York Marathon, is here as host and to recap her race and New York experience. But before we get to Jess, I'm joined by Julian Spence. For those who aren't familiar with Julian, he's the Bogan to Hotham record holder and second in command at the running company Geelong. Welcome back, Moose. How are you going? I'm going good. Thank you, mate. I reckon I've taken over first place at the running company Geelong these days. Really? I don't, yeah. I would agree at Ballarat I was number two, but in Geelong, I probably I reckon I'm maybe four, three or four, because there is a good team in there now, and I just sit back and, and, and watch it happen. Nice. And how was uh, annual leave? Well, it was good. It was good to get – we went over to WA, so my sister lives there, Margaret River. Um, I was pretty unwell, actually, from the Thursday uh, – what was it? Like Thursday evening, started feeling unwell. It was pretty sick Friday, still at a conference. Travelled Saturday, very unwell. Sunday sick, Monday sick, maybe okay Tuesday, Wednesday getting better. And then I was came home Saturday. So, and getting to WA is no mean feat. Like from Melbourne, that's three and a half to four hours of flying, plus getting to the airport, going through the airport. And then when you get in, we flew into Bustleton, so get down to Margaret River. Still got to get the car higher. But it's it's a long way. It's so uh, worth it, though, isn't it? How good's Margaret River? Yeah, it is. We like the coastline is just epic. <laughs> in terms of uh, how the beaches are, it's like pristine. It, Did it, you get to surf? Oh, no. I guess not because you're unwell. Well, no, I didn't. Honestly, I haven't surfed in a while. I surfed once in the last 12 months. Okay. So, and the day we rocked up, we went straight down to the main break because I've watched it on videos like my whole life and always um, there's always been like, like Taj Burrow, when I was a kid growing up, Taj Burrow was like one of the best kind of up-and-coming surfers in the world, and he's from just above Margaret River, and he had a series of movies out, 
like that were just about him and they were filmed pre- pretty much in WA only. So all these spots that I'd watched as when I was a kid, I really wanted to go and see them in person. And we went down the first day and there was a surf comp on and I was I just I, like within five minutes I was just thought I'm really glad I didn't bring my surfboard over here. <laughs> <laughs> I would have looked like an absolute muppet. <laughs> and the, the waves are pretty damn big and heavy breaking on these reefs too. A lot of power over there. Moose, I was going to ride on your Strava because he was a guy that's on holidays and just about every Strava post was basically whinging. It was either I'm sick, my heart rate's high, uh, it's too sandy, give me a, give me some run recommendations. It's not a place I'd go on a training camp, put it that way. It's like it's, it's there'd be some really good trails, but it just doesn't seem to have that like uh, that one spot where you can you can go and get good views and um, like. It just, yeah, it's not. I remember just running along the river when I was there. Yeah, see, everyone told me to go there, and that's maybe where I messed up. But (laughs) we were we were staying down at um down on the beach at Narrabup, and the the trails there are like sand dunes galore. There's a cape. There's a trail called Cape to Cape, and it runs um from the north of (laughs) from north to south, just along the coastline. But it it's pretty sandy where we were, and I know Bree went out on a Sunday morning, tried to do a long run, and um, came back and said that was that was awful. Uh, so I, I I got bits and pieces of that, but I wasn't feeling good enough to really take advantage anyway. It's a it's a good spot. It's like it reminds me of what Torquay and the Surf Coast was like about 30 years ago. Everyone's just super laid back really friendly time just moves a bit slower there mm. all right moose enough margaret river people have tuned in to hear from the person that finished ninth at last week's new york marathon welcome jess and congratulations thank you how have you pulled up yeah horribly the for the first probably four days like i couldn't lower down to sit you just sort of start to squat and then you free fall until you hit the chair um so yeah it was pretty uncomfortable and then I sort of a week later was feeling pretty good. So I did go for a, a bit of a jog yesterday and it wasn't too bad. Mm. Well, you wrote a really nice uh, blog recapping your trip. So, And Julian was just saying off air that he doesn't have time to read. So hopefully over the next like 15, 20 minutes, you can do a bit of an audio version <laughs> of, I guess, the week leading into um, New York, the race itself yep. and any any cool stories from over there. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have much to report from the last week of training. So, yeah, I'll start. I flew on the Sunday morning, so that was October the 31st. So I did my longer run on the Saturday, which was um, just an hour 30, 20.7 K, so it was 4.25 pace. Um, Flew to um, San Fran and then on to um, DC. So I have a cousin living over in Washington and, um, it was really cool to catch up with her. She's got like a an 18-month-old and got to meet him. And, yeah, her husband is a um, squash coach over there and they um, live in a really nice area just in – it's actually someone's basement, but it's a really nice basement. It's Yeah, it's a different setup over there, the way people live. But um, I woke up after a pretty good sleep that night and did a – what did I do? A um, – 
just trying to find my days here now. Um, 45-minute jog, 10.4Ks. Um, so it was actually 4.19 pace. My legs were really feeling really good on that first day. Um, they got a bit heavier after that. So I went for a little afternoon jog for 25 minutes. That one, yeah, my legs felt heavy. It was a bit hillier. They were 4.47s. Just quickly, um, Jess, did they um, New York fly you over business class? No, nah. Um, I was on um, United Airlines and they actually, the big, the long flight, the 14-hour or whatever one from Melbourne to um, San Fran wasn't too bad, but then there was a six or so hour flight um, to DC and that was just like a, you know, a, a flight to Melbourne. There was no food, no TV, um, not much leg space. My cousin had warned me, so I had something to eat in San Fran, but um, yeah. It was six hours. <laughs> Six get, hours, really. To get from, yeah, one side to the other. Sure. Um, so then uh, on the Tuesday, so two days after getting in, um, I ran for an hour and I actually went into Washington, D.C. that day and, and ran along the river. It was the Potomac River and it was just this trail that was beautiful. It had autumn leaves everywhere and I just felt so happy running. It was nice weather. Um, that was 4.23 pace. And then... I just did a bit of sightseeing and was probably on my feet a little bit too much that day because I ended up pulling up with um, sort of tight calves. But it was kind of hard not to walk because, um, yeah, the public transport was a bit tricky to figure out. Uh, on the Wednesday, I um, caught a train at um, midday into New York and that was about three hours. That was actually Billy's birthday that day. So he had some good chats with the boys back at home. Um, before I caught the train, I did my little session. So that was, um, it was about a 55 minute run or something, but I had two by six minutes um, at marathon pace and then two by three minutes at, I think it was meant to be five seconds faster than marathon pace. I hit about 3.30s for the marathon pace one and then 3.22 to 25 for the quicker one. I was feeling a little bit heavier that day, so just didn't push it too much. Is that a staple for you um, or do you mix up your final week workouts every time you do a marathon? It depends on my travel. So usually I wouldn't do that um, on the the Wednesday before the run. I'd do it like a day earlier. But um, because of the travel being on the Sunday, Adam wanted to give me two days of jogging before the little session. Um that actual sex session I've been doing a lot before my 10K and half marathon races. I didn't used to do that before marathons, but uh, rather than giving me 2 by 2 k 2 by one k which I'd have before the shorter races, Adam just modified it to 2 by 6 minutes, 2 by 3 minutes. But really it's the um, intensity sort of at which I run. So if I was doing that before a 10K race, it would be more around my 10K pace. Um so, yeah, that was a good opportunity to put the race flats on and, and get a feel for them um, on US soil. And then, yeah, once I arrived in New York, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, it felt like I just landed on a, a movie set or something. I had the opportunity to catch a taxi from the um, train station to the hotel, but I thought, oh, no, I'll just walk to um, sort of see what New York's all about. And I don't know, a few minutes into my walk, I was in Times Square and it was just, yeah, mind-blowing, the lights everywhere and 
there was um, a cowboy sort of dressed up guy in um, boots and his his jocks and a hat just wandering around <laughs> just like it was normal. And, um, yeah, I got to my hotel eventually and Elsie Wellings was already there with her husband and so she sort of showed me where to go um, to check in and there was a hospitality suite on the 41st um, floor of the Hilton where we were staying and that looked over Central Park. It was yeah, it was, it was pretty flash. Like I've never been to a marathon like it where there's this hospitality suite with just snacks and breakfast all day. Um, they had merchandise that you could just take, like mugs and that sort of thing. And everyone, you know, they had a lot of staff in there who were all really friendly and they just looked after the athletes so well. And as the days went on, you know, there's um, Joan, Benoit Samuelson, um Oh, all sorts of athletes coming through the doors. My brother and sister-in-law and I were waiting at the bottom of the um, elevator one day and it opened up and we sort of saw this really tall, massive um, guy just wearing all black and he had a bit of glitter in his black shoes and he was wearing a black mask and then we sort of looked down and there's Kipchoge um, next to him just, yeah, with his bodyguards around him and that was <laughs> unreal. I've never met Kipchoge before, so that was a bit of a... Um, <laughs> Yeah, did he, exciting. Did he, did he know who you were? <laughs> no way. He was sort of I, like when I saw him, I thought, is, did I miss that Kipchoge's racing? And I asked someone and they said, no, nah, people just come for um, sponsorship um, activities. So I don't know exactly what he was doing there because a lot of the athletes we saw, like um, Emily Enfield and whatnot, were running in the 5K the day before. But yeah, he, he wasn't there to run. Um, so, yeah, that was the one time I, I saw him and I uh, didn't want to go near him with all of those bodyguards. So He would have watched, watched the Com Games. He would have been interested in what was happening. <laughs> he would have watched you and he would have thought, sitting there in Al Lorette, they all would have been hanging around a TV going, have a look at this girl just blowing the socks off everyone else. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, well, um, we didn't get to have a chat. So <laughs> I did get to have a chat to Paula Radcliffe in the lift, though. She um, asked how I'd pulled up from Com Games because she was obviously um, commentating that race. So I ran into her quite a few times over the weekend. Do you ever, um, do you ever get starstruck, Yes. Like, yeah, I remember um, particularly when I was, I think it was my first ever Eckerton relay trip when Craig Mottram arrived. I was really starstruck then because um, I'd watched him at the Com Games and, um, yeah. He was a star. He was our big, I mean. And he I, had that charisma, to, like the X factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, just with the travelling, um You've travelled with Dylan and Billy a fair bit to your races, like from what I've seen to the Com Games. And um, yeah. is it easier travelling by yourself for a race? I was really nervous about this trip because I was going to be away for ten days, and I just knew how painful it can be when you're really missing people and you're so mm. far away. Uh, but I just I could tell that billy was really happy and they, they were having a great time together to be honest so that made it easier for me and um you know facetime it's it's makes it pretty easy to communicate these days although the new york time difference is really awkward i could either speak to them early in the morning or sort of later in the evening and dylan was often racing off to work and um but 
No, I mean, from a sleep perspective, um, it, you know, it was easier because I knew it was going to be challenging already with the um, jet lag. So um, I guess yeah. I could just really concentrate on doing what I needed to do to perform. The long haul to... flight too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you have to share with anyone or you had your own room? No, we had our own rooms. It was, yeah, as I said, everyone was so well looked after. Um, so once I was in the hotel, I teed up, or we teed up the next day. So th that was Thursday. Um, so Elsie and I ran together for 50 minutes and um, Adam and, and Jono, her husband, hired city bikes. And I think Adam said it was 30 or 35 US just for the hour. So that would have been 50 oh. bucks or something for this bike. So um, they had to figure out a better system after that. But, yeah, 50 minutes, um, 11 and a half Ks, 4.21 pace. It was sort of we were told, you know, Adam said, you know, this is the course that you're running on in reverse. And I didn't think it felt too bad in the training runs. But by the time I got there at 40 Ks, yeah, the hills felt more severe for sure. But it was such a good atmosphere in there with just runners everywhere, cyclists um, and yeah, I remember seeing a pack of runners come past and sort of Emma Coburn at the front and, and Des Linden, just all of these people that I've sort of watched racing and seeing them in real life. Um, on the Friday, I went out with actually Kane Corn. So he'd been doing, we'd been doing some sessions together. I think I mentioned that in the last episode in the lead up. He'd done that massive run from Melbourne to Adelaide. So he was just trying to get a bit of speed in his legs in those few weeks before the marathon. And um, that day I was meant to do a 10 minute sort of tempo-ish effort and six by 30 second efforts. But I, I told Adam that my calves were feeling a bit tight and it's just I didn't really feel like I needed that tempo um, run in there and he agreed so I did a 45 minute jog with six by 30 second efforts and and they felt pretty good and yeah Friday I was sort of doing the carb load by then so you're just sort of ticking boxes and trying to do what you can to to freshen up for the race and um, the Saturday we actually had a lot of uh planning meetings those sorts of things handing in the bottles so I went out for a run in the morning with my uh, brother and and his wife Sarah and and Adam ran as well that was 30 minutes at 450 pace took it nice and easy and then watched the 5k afterwards and then I actually had a quick um, massage just to freshen up the legs and and my shoulders as well um, they were pretty tight from the travel and then uh, what was the first thing we had to do? We had to get our uniforms checked to make sure the logos aren't too big. And then uh, I met with Deacon, the Indigenous Marathon Project Group. That was really good, hearing about their stories and, and what was motivating them to run. And then Adam and I had our pre-race meeting just to go over the field, the conditions and the tactical approach that I would take initially. And I mentioned it to you guys a few weeks ago. I was hoping it might be a race where I could try and um give my pb a nudge but it actually the conditions were um, forecast to be warm so we sort of changed that approach but as it turns out the course was pretty tough like i think it would have been hard to um to go for a sub 225 um there regardless of the conditions but um really i was just in there to to race the competition around me and adam 
gave me some pace parameters. He said that, uh, you know, you can make up a lot of ground in the final stages of the New York Marathon because there is a, quite a steady rise up Fifth Avenue at about kilometre 39, I think, and then, you know, you run through Central Park and that's undulating. So he said, you know, probably if if the pace is faster than 3.23, you might just want to dial it back a bit. Um and so I'll go into that in a bit more detail when we, we get to the race. Um, yeah, Friday, sorry, Saturday, filled up the water bottles, had a pretty early night that night, slept quite well actually. And then on race day, we, we caught a bus at 5.45am and headed to a warm-up area um, on Staten Island. And it was pretty flat. It was this amazing indoor track that was air-conditioned and just went for a little eight-minute jog with Elsie. And then jump back on the bus to go to the start line. And then, yeah, the race began. And I'd say it was, yeah, just pretty relaxed pace early on um, up the hill. And then we went down the hill. And I think Desi Linden and another athlete made some surges, but the pack didn't really follow. And it was at about, what, the 5K um, mark. I was feeling really parched. I just remember my mouth being really dry. I could feel sweat rolling down my legs. I was thinking, this is actually pretty hot day I need to be careful here so I finished my whole water bottle which I wouldn't ever usually do and um by Oops. 7k what sorry sorry Jess what's what's in your water bottle uh so at 5k that would have been uh Morton Morton mix drink mix yeah so what, I have just water with my gels but I didn't have a gel at 5k and what was the temp when you sort of started I actually I think it was low 20s um I still haven't figured out the Fahrenheit in my head. Like I, I don't, I can't do the conversion quickly. So I never really knew exactly what it was, but I think it was the humidity that made it feel a bit hotter too. And at that point in the day, there was the direct sunlight, but the clouds came over and I actually felt more comfortable once the clouds came over and didn't have that direct sun on me. So it actually, as the race went on, I'd say got cooler. I, I was quite worried at 5K and even by sort of 15K, and then I didn't notice the heat so much after that. And had you run it, like, so the days leading up, so in Washington and also in New York, were they all really cold days? And had you had any sort of warm days back in Adelaide in the lead up? I hadn't really had warm days uh, in Adelaide, but it was all pretty warm while I was over there. So from the day I arrived in in Washington, um, yeah, it was sunny. And uh, New York, the day before the race, was quite warm and humid. So we got to have a bit of a feel for what it would be like in the race. Yeah. Uh, at, at around... There was seven or eight Ks. Elsie and I ended up together in the pack and she kind of called out the current pace and it was, I think she said it was 3.15, but I think it was probably more like 3.20 at that point. We might have just gone down a downhill or something, but either way it felt um, a bit quick and so we agreed that we'd just back off a bit, which meant dropping the pack, um, falling off the pack. Uh, but I felt like that was a, a smart move and, kind of believed that we'd um, catch quite a few people um, later in the race if the temperature continued the way it, it was. And so uh, it was about 15 k's, 14 k's in, there was the first bit of a hill and and that's where um, started to make some ground and, and caught a couple of athletes. And then I kind of 
was able to just enjoy targeting athletes ahead for the rest of the race up until 36Ks. I think that's when I um, got into tenth place, uh, sorry, ninth place, and then I, I didn't pass anyone from that point onwards. So were you, who, did you spend any considerable amount of time with, with one person outside Alzi early? Not really, no. Uh, and it was sort of the uphills where people would just fall off. And so it was always a good opportunity to just maintain your effort and catch a few runners. So I remember it was um, an athlete, Gert, and then I can't remember the other athlete first, and then up um, the second bridge, which was sort of the halfway mark. I think that's where Lindsay Flanagan had dropped off and and maybe one other, Steph Bruce maybe, and then Queensborough Bridge, it was Des Linden and Kira. I sort of did run with them for a little bit because they um, sped up on the downhill section and then sort of along First Avenue. So they're the pro- probably the two who I ran with a little bit in the middle stages. Does, um, does it surprise you that in these races – the, some of the best runners in the world, especially like definitely the best marathoners in America, aren't very strong on the hills. Yeah, I I sort of looked at the course, um, you know, what was it, two nights before I watched the 2019 replay and watched uh, Sinead and Ellie and they were so strong on that course. And, and then, you know, there was the year that Shalane ran it and it seems to do well on that course. You really need to train for the course and, mm-hmm. and be quite specific in it. I don't know whether athletes had done that or not. Um, I, I wasn't sure whether they'd just gone out too hard and their legs had faded or whether they just weren't um, prepared for the hills. I certainly felt like I, um, prepared more specifically for the hills um, in, for Birmingham when we were up in St Moritz. It was just you couldn't help but um, do mm. hilly runs and that was really beneficial. If I were to do New York again, I'd definitely incorporate more hilly runs. I I felt like perhaps my legs weren't as conditioned as they could have been um, for that course. But, yeah, definitely learnt a lot. I reckon some of those American girls may be going through half, sort of 30 to 40 seconds faster than you, probably hurt them a little bit given the conditions, whereas, mm. yeah, yeah, you know, you made the smart call to back off. And I, I said it last week that you have this ability to know how you should feel at particular points in a marathon, which I reckon, like, Michael Shelley was very similar, like just, you know, his Glasgow run, just let, let people go and then just run your own race. And you're very similar to that. Um, with your fueling, Jess, I read in your thing, like did you take like three gels in the space yeah. of like 25 minutes or something? Is, so is this the most that you've ever taken on from a gel perspective or carbs, but also from a fluid perspective? It is, yeah. So definitely the fluids. I was emptying my bottles at most stations and some of that I was pouring on myself my hair was so stiff at the end with all the Morton in it but um (laughs) I yeah was I think because I've done um what was that my 15th marathon my guts just um get more and more trained um to take on gels so I just felt my yeah I felt like I was um having no troubles um consuming them and had no sort of cramps or gut aches at 30k and I knew that our last station was at 36ks and I knew that it was going to be quite hilly at the end so for at 33 34ks I just decided to reach down my crop top and and grab my backup gel and 
and have that one as well. So yeah, I ended up having one at 30, about 34 and then 36. Um, and I felt fine during the race, but when you finish, you certainly don't feel like touching sugar for a while. Mm. <laughs> and and in the have, last, oh, sorry, sorry, you go, Moose. You go. Oh, you must have felt pretty good to be able to take on an extra gel. Like at that, at that point, most people are just searching for the end and they have no desire to want to take anything. <laughs> yeah, and I guess there was a, an element of risk because I um, could have ended up cramping because I hadn't taken on that many gels before, but I just felt like my stomach was was fine and I knew that in previous races we'd had the opportunity to take on a bit of drink mix at 40Ks and we, we wouldn't have that opportunity to opportunity in New York I did have a bit of trouble opening the gel though because it had been down my crop top and was all sweaty so I got a bit frustrated trying to grip it to rip it open but got there eventually the last 5k just was it um like mentally were you like ever concerned that oh I'm like I feel like I'm struggling here a little bit hopefully I can hold it together or did you always feel like you were full of running um it's funny like I when I haven't done a marathon for a while I find that when the going gets tough you just have so much motivation and you know where you need to go mentally to get everything out of yourself and dig really deep but because my last all-out effort wasn't actually that long ago you know three months or something I did find it just a little bit harder mentally to go there again and that's where I kind of know I need a bit of a break before my next marathon when (laughs) you're just having a bit of trouble um, going to that you know deep place but I definitely think um, with the crowd and and the atmosphere there that that helped and um, it probably didn't really start to hurt until yeah that Fifth Avenue hill um, with it was at three, three or so Ks to go. So um, it sort of just got exponentially um, really hard at that point. And I guess because you, you're catching yeah. people, like running through the field, like even if you are physically struggling a little bit, like mentally it's you, you just feel good just catching people. So that probably mm. helped as well. It, yeah, it's true because I had Emma Bates ahead, but she wasn't slowing. It was obvious that, you know, she was coming home, well, finishing strong. So I just really had to get to the finish line um, at the end there. And even running for a gold medal at a major championships, the it's pretty easy to go deeper in that yeah. regard <laughs> than sort of yeah. big top ten with no one really around you. Um, yeah, it, for sure. It, yeah, it's different significance. <laughs> You got any more questions, Moose, about the race itself, or should we get to like the post race and celebrations yeah, and how that all played job. out? Pretty hmm. good job. That was good. So, talk us through then, like crossing the line. Um, how'd you feel? What happened after the race? All that sort of stuff. I was just so keen to know who had won and what my position was. And you, you crossed the line having no idea <laughs> where you were. And I saw Emma Bates. I said, do you know what you came? She's like, no, I've got no idea. So eventually um, found Adam and, uh, yeah, he sort of told me my place. And, and that was exciting. And we hobbled over to the recovery tent and, you know, looked at the food table, just didn't feel like eating anything, but knew I needed something so he grabbed a banana in the end and and then he said that he'd been tracking um jack and kane as well 
I think Kane was due to finish in about 10 minutes and Jack about seven minutes behind him. So we decided to um, walk out to the finish area again and see if they'd let us through to watch Jack finish. And and we got pretty close, um, saw him just after he crossed the line and the people handing out the medals um, when they heard it was my brother um, said that I could give him his medal. And so that was good. He, he probably looked a bit um, fresher than I was expecting <laughs> when he crossed the line, but um, he's suffering now. So... Yeah, he had a good hard hit out. <laughs> was he was he emotional at all? Because I know like a marathon can just you know make people cry when they cross the line. Like it's pretty special for some people. <laughs> or he wasn't very emotional at all about it. He, he wasn't really emotional. He was just I think he just looked really satisfied. Um, his wife was running around um, the course, you know, cheering for him, and so logistically it was hard to try and find her um, afterwards because he didn't have his phone. And I think he was just. Yeah, really interested or intrigued and curious to run a marathon and then afterwards just said he he found it difficult feeling good at halfway. He's not used to hmm. ever being in a race where you you feel so comfortable at points. And I think what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, pulling back and knowing how you should feel at certain points, that is definitely something that's unique about the marathon is that you should actually be feeling comfortable for a lot of the race, but then it gets really 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 hard <laughs> you know in those final stages so yeah he said his um calves were flickering a bit but his main issue was his um shoulders all kind of cramped up which I could relate to that I remember my first couple of marathons getting really tight through the neck and shoulders and how to celebrate um so there was a bit of an after um, party dinner that the race organisers put on and that was really nice. It was a Brazilian grill and you just walk in and sit down and you have a little um, card with a red side and a green side and if you put it on green, people just walk <laughs> walk towards you with these huge um, cuts of meat and just slice them onto your plate. And um, So, yeah, that was, that was a bit of fun and uh, they had some cocktails that they were handing out there and then we went on to a rooftop bar to celebrate Steph Bruce's retirement so that was her final sort of elite race she's been on the running circuit for a long time and so that was with oh she runs for the the Hoka 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 um crew and there was like um yeah a lot of the Arizona Flagstaff athletes at that party very good any more questions Moose um Where's that rank in your overall career marathoning uh, rankings? So is that a top three result of yours? Probably. Yeah, I'd say the the recent Commonwealth Games. Yeah, and let's then... rank them. Let's mm. rank top three. So... <laughs> it's <laughs> hard to probably... Ninth at World Champs would have to be up there, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I also think the Perth result because it was – it was real uh, unknown territory. I just, it had been a while since I'd run a marathon and my body had changed it's after giving birth. And so that one, I was, I sort of ranked that one pretty highly as well. Um, but it probably was Commonwealth Games in 2022, World Champs 2017, and then Perth, New York are both sort of around the same mark. And yeah, I, every marathon's been so different and in the lead-up, um, you know, I even the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, just I was so happy that I was able to finish that race because I had to just 
I've never mentally had to push myself so hard to get to a finish line. So uh, that one taught me a lot as well. I don't think I ran that race so well tactically, but I was um, proud of the way I got to the finish <laughs> when I was hurting so much. You say that each marathon is very different for you or like the build-ups and that, but I'll tell you what, one thing that you do is you nail every single one. Like we said last week, I can't remember the last time that you had a poor marathon. Can you? Yeah, I, mean, I think I can thank Adam a lot for that too. Just the way he's creative in the way he he gets me ready um, with different challenges, and then the way he um, helps me to believe in myself or just um, approach the the race in a smart way, given my preparation to try and get the best out of myself. And what was the debrief? Have you had a debrief with with Adam after this race in terms of like was he is he's super stoked with what you did um like anything that you guys would have changed or wanted to go better no he was happy I think you go into any race hoping that it it could be your day where you could get sort of into the top five or whatever but I think in New York given the field um a number of athletes would have had to make some big mistakes or or have a bad day for, for that to happen so I feel like on that given day I I got the best result I could have, and, and Adam felt the same way, I think. So he was really happy. I've got one more question. Um, and, as, you know, I know you said that you need to take a break now before you focus on your next marathon. But, you know, 220, was it 227? Um, well, basically, but your last two marathons have been sort of similar times mm-hmm. over, on, on hilly courses, which you'd have to think they were three, four minutes on a flat course. Surely your next marathon is flat, fast one. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm um, keen to to try a, a flatter, faster course um, in my next one, whatever that will be. <laughs> Priorities for next year, because obviously there's world champs, but we're getting into that window now where all of the Aussie girls will be looking to nail a fast time to get themselves on the team for Paris, more so than mm. maybe world champs. Um, yeah. So. Are you more likely to maybe do like, uh, I don't know, like an April marathon and then a September marathon that are both sort of flat, fast courses and give up world champs next year? Yeah, it's a tricky one. There are so many options next year with, you know, world cross early in the year and then world champs. And then, yeah, so often I, I sort of, put those opportunities to to run for Australia because I do love you know running for the country um over an opportunity to run one of those um flatter courses so I I don't know but I think my priority will be more yeah long term um next year but certainly yeah the world champs I think will be incredible over in Europe just one year after the last ones Well, it's exciting. We can't wait to see what you do 2023. Um, Any more questions, Moose, or are we going to go from New York to Margaret River? Oh, what a a come down. Climax, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a bit embarrassing, but um, we'll get through it quickly. Uh, (laughs) So I got out to test the, um, the health on, I think I got out Monday after missing Saturday and Sunday for running and yeah just not great heart rate quite high because of the like gastro type illness i had um tuesday same thing ran from the beach up 
towards Margaret River. There's a trail that link Margaret River. I always thought it was on the beach, but it's actually about like 10 minutes drive away, about 10k, and and so there's a trail that kind of runs next to the road. I ran from Margaret River into town, just because it worked out conveniently. We went up and did some of those really cool picturesque beaches that day. Took some photos, hung out on the beach a bit. Um, pretty cooked actually after being in the sun for so long. Haven't seen the sun for a while down here. Uh, on the next day, whatever it was, I picked up a few recommendations of Instagram. So thank you to everyone who replied to my Instagram story recommending the Wandani Trail, Wandundi, um, which is about a – well, it's a long trail anyway. I don't know how far it is. But it's dirt and it's it's a, like a rail trail type surface that runs through some of the regional areas north and south of Margaret River. So I got went out and back on that. The the sun it wasn't very hot or anything. It's just the sun. Uh, I'm not used to it, so it takes a bit to get going. It takes a bit to sort of get used to once you once you have a few hot days, especially if you're out in a battle day in the sun as well. The, the weather turned to shit after that, so I didn't have to worry. Uh, I, I got a, a poor I got a poor lead on a trail out the back of where we were staying in Narrabup. Um, I think the guy who ran it ran it like too too long ago because now it is sandy as and it was so shit. Oh, and it just stirs up like my plantar, stirs up my knees, my back, just from every time you take a step, you're sinking into like the softest sand ever. Oh, just it, I don't think there's a worse surface to run on. Like I'd take the snow, I'd take cambered concrete over this. So once I got off that and then you hit asphalt, oh, boy, it feels good. You, all of a sudden you've just got actual response under your feet and everything just feels smooth. So I, I just ran 10K or so. I think I ran 10K most days. I did a little workout the next day. I was actually starting to feel good this day, so I thought I'll do a little progression run, similar to how you do it on the treadmill croaks, mm. except I did it as a – I used to do these workouts all the time, where, and I used to schedule them for some of my athletes where I would be – I would just say it's an hour run, run half an hour out, but make but come back in like 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. So just don't structure it. Just make sure you come back harder. They're um, fun. They're fun, aren't they? Because you can just it's a very easy way to ease do it. into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for old old bodies like us. <laughs> 30 minute warm up basically, uh, and then no pressure on the the paces. I just went. I thought I'll structure it kind of. Otherwise, I don't trust myself not to cook it on the way home. So I ran 30 minutes kind of down, it's like downhill, and it had a headwind, and then I turned around at 30 minutes and I, I, get, I block, broke it into three 10-minute blocks where I, I kind of kept the heart rate max 155 for 10 minutes, then max 165 for the next 10, and then I only really had five, six minutes before I got back because I, I was running faster. So... That was at 170 max, but I was going uphill, which ended up being like probably the best for my body that I could do because the pace was slow, but my heart rate was higher. 
so I was good on the knees actually going uphill and, and just allowing the like the incline to to raise the heart rate uh, and then that was on Friday so got out for my last run before I traveled on Saturday morning Gee, coming back you lose three hours you have a three and a three hour 40 flight or something it's like seven hours just disappears once you get on the plane it's, how it's, was Pia oh Pia was a gun she was a champion <laughs> but she did not sleep so yeah. she just she just like thought that the plane was the best thing in the world <laughs> all, all the breeze friends in Geelong were like oh how was the plane trip oh Pia was a champ moose was a pain in the ass. <laughs> Yeah, I think she was good. I had the headphones in. I was just watching a movie. <laughs> nah, she 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 loves mum. So she's uh, she's definitely attached to mum at the moment. Um, but she was squirming around and you know doing her thing. So, but yeah, just absolute. Before we got out of the car park of the airport, she was sound asleep. It really knocked her about. Uh, I ran long on Sunday morning. 90 minutes, got some hills in. I haven't looked at this run. I'm going to say off the top of my head, 300 metres of climb, 316 it was. So that, that's not bad. I got going at the end, ran a four-minute K, which you would have loved. Oh, I ran a 350 croaks. That's right up your alley. Well, I didn't I didn't run any kilometres on Sunday, so you beat me. Yeah, but have a look, 350. 350, that's, that's good. That's what you do all your runs in. No, I don't what? have many at 350. Gee, what heart rate was that at? Oh, yeah, it was getting up there. Shit. But I didn't have my heart rate because the suitcase that I took back, I, I, I put the lock on for some reason, but it was Bree's suitcase. And then we got home and no one could remember the combination. So all my shit was locked in my suitcase. So we were about to get the chisel out and try and just, like, break in. And uh, I thought, ah, forget the heart rate monitor. I'll be all right. And then... We got home, we're trying all these combinations and then I, I Google how to break into a Samsonite suitcase and the first thing they say is just check the combination zero, zero, zero. I'm like, that's stupid. Who would do that? <laughs> Read for about 10 more minutes and then I said to Bree, oh, just try triple zero. I know it won't work. Click, straight open. <laughs> Couple of morons. Uh but anyway, I got uh, I got 80k or so, 82k, and yeah, I've done a lot at this. It's time to get going. Still, right? Ra- you still racing this Thursday? Nah. So we have a conference Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday night to Friday night, and I I I get worn out by those things. There is a lot of mental energy, and we have dinners after the actual conferences as well, after the day of of work as well so i'm going to try my best to actually get out there and watch it but i don't think well i know that i won't be running in it and that's a bit of a cop out but because i was going to do run geelong it was on the weekend here on this on yesterday morning but by the time i got home from traveling we got home at like eight o'clock or something i just couldn't be bothered waking up the next morning and driving like 45 minutes into town and Anyway, I didn't do it, and I'm not doing this one, so I need to find another race. Hey, mate, what, what do you reckon people think about, about our, our running these days? We just get on here and, like, yeah, ran about 100K this week. Mm, yeah, might race. Oh, I've got this niggle. <laughs> it's, 
It's not, yeah, it's not, the, really, the, it's it's not really inspiring, It's probably pretty relatable, though. <laughs> you did introduce me as the Bogonga Hotham record holder, so <laughs> there's always that to fall back on, Croaks. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we're certainly not that inspiring. That's why, no, Brady, I, that's why Brady's left us for a couple of real runners. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple of frothers over there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Although, Brad, I reckon you put us on the park against any of those blokes. We, we just beat them. We just got that... That old boy mentality. Yeah, don't know about it at the moment, but um, we brought it. We brought a gun. We bring a gun in every week to replace Brady, so we will make up for it that way. Yeah, we bring ambition in. Yeah, we don't provide it. All right, I whipped through my week quickly. Um, it was going well till Saturday. So uh, Monday, I did my two laps around Mulligans. I actually felt pretty good. I um threw in a couple of surges up the hill, and so around four oh sixes for an hour. And then Tuesday, I decided to push the session back to Wednesday. One, because I did run a bit harder on Monday, but two, just got home from work on Tuesday. And I'm just like, oh, this couldn't be arsed. So just did 45 minutes, 4.13s. Then Wednesday morning, I got out and did hills. Um, so I was doing lots of hills at the start of the year, like the short hills, like 40, 45 seconds. Uh, this hill session, I decided to do a few longer reps um, and by long, I only mean like sort of 70, 75 seconds and then a few shorter ones. So I did six uh, 70 to 73 second hills, jog back in about uh, like the jog back's about 30 seconds longer than the rep time. Um, and then I gave myself two minutes after doing six of the longer ones and then did five 30 second hills. Um, I actually felt like like I was moving pretty well up the hill. Um, so... Yeah, like it was 137 metres of elevation over the 6K. Then that afternoon, got out for just a lap of mulligans at 4.15s. My midweek long run was then pushed back to the Thursday. So I did 90 minutes at 4.11s. This was actually, I was going to listen to something, but then my headphones stuffed up. So it ended up being 90 minutes of just no music, which um, was actually enjoyable. Like I don't. I normally have something in my ears for most of my easy runs, but that was an enjoyable run. Yeah, 4.11s for 21.5K. Then Friday morning, got out um, just around Yerubi Pond. Uh, wore the heart rate strap, actually, Moose. Um, so I ran 4.19s, averaged like 132, I think, heart rate. Um, it was pretty warm by that stage as well. So I was reasonably happy with that. Did like five 20-second strides. I then, was going to say, I yeah. was going to say, for how much you endorse running by feel, there's this you getting one kilometer splits every single training run you do. If that's not the biggest uh, like release of endorphins and dopamine, like a dopamine hit that I've ever heard, that's it's crazy. I think I think you doing that. But I don't I look. But I don't look at it every kilometer. Like, oh, yes, you know I have K splits on, but it doesn't. It doesn't influence like I need to run this one in four ten. I can guarantee you, if you look down and see a fast one, that makes you feel better. Well, if anything, on this run with the heart rate strap, I was actually running to the heart rate. Like any time I felt like it was getting high, I would like purposely slow down. To, that's to brilliant. Keep, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So that's how. I, and, but I still had K splits on, but it was. I was not interested in the K splits. Yeah. yeah, but you still I, – I think you need to get rid of them. Jess, what are your thoughts? Jess, you still I agree, there? I agree, Moose. I agree, Moose. Like I, there's, there's <laughs> Sorry, time, I was muted. There's, um, time, there's times when I've thought of actually just ditching the watch completely and because, you know, if I go and do two laps of mulligans, I know how far it is. And so I just run without a watch. 
Mm. Uh, just, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. Well, I might when I'm back running. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it would be like um, just having to wean off something. I think you'll notice it not being there. It'll sort of cause anxiety initially. Mm. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to give it a go or at least have it so that I turn K-splits off and I do just have the uh, clock or, like, you know, the time. Yeah. Oh. I would I would love a week of no or I'll just turn off your K-splits to start with. All right, I'll do that. I'll do that. But <laughs> I'm not running at the moment, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. yeah, so then Saturday was my second session for the week, and um, it was one of those days where, you know, where it gets real hot and humid early on and then it starts to storm around lunchtime. So it was – like 20 probably 21 degrees like when i started warming up which means that the garage is hotter um so i warmed up and i was like oh this is not going to be that much fun and so my session was five by six minutes with one minute rest um and when was it It was like halfway through the fourth rep my sort of tib post area went from like feeling absolutely nothing to like you know, I've had t- I've had tip post pain before, but it's something that normally just creeps up on you and is like quite manageable. But this one felt more like a bit of a muscle tear or like just something that wasn't quite right. And I had a minute left of it, left of that rep, so I finished it. Sort of, you know, gave my inner shin a bit of a massage because I find that sometimes sort of helps release my tip post a bit. And then I jumped on for the last rep and it was like the first couple of steps were a bit uncomfortable and then it was fine. And then cooling down, it was it was noticeable, um, but not super painful. And then once I really like cooled down, um, like had a shower and stuff, like I could barely walk. So like the inside of my shin, like above the above like the medial malleolus there was like really, really sore. So walking around the shops going, I'm in, I'm in trouble here. Like I knew, you know, when you you know, when you injure yourself and you go, yeah, I know that I'm not going to be able to run now for like a few days, knowing how it feels right now. Um, have you been trying different shoes? Is that what you think might have caused it? Oh, uh, well, the shoes that I was wearing, like I didn't feel like I was hitting the treadmill very well that day. And so it feels like it was more of an acute injury as opposed to, because I had no tip post pain the days leading up, even the warm up. And it was almost like this acute injury. Um, and I've been trying to work out why the treadmill for me feels way harder than it does outside. So for example, I'll do my warm up. I'll sometimes put my shoes on and do a stride, like out the garage, across the road to the house, across to the house across the road. So it's a good, like 50, 60 meter stride. And like, I feel like I'm moving pretty well. And then you get on the treadmill and I feel like I'm absolutely sprinting to run like 320 kilometer pace. And I'm wondering if, like when you hit the ground, the ground doesn't move. So you can hit the ground and I, I feel like I get a bit more back. Whereas when I hit the treadmill, because the treadmill's moving, I feel like I don't get quite as much purchase or power out of the treadmill. So then I feel like I have to like constantly increase my cadence. And I think it depends on the treadmill as well, like the difference between running on a, a wood way versus mm. like one of those skinnier um, kind of transportable treadmills. Um, yeah. I think too, I just notice um everything when i'm on a treadmill the way you hit the ground any asymmetries whether you're veering off to one side you just it makes you really hyper aware of your landing pattern and Mm. um yeah it's a kind of a good way to check your biomechanics (laughs) yeah i definitely didn't feel like i was hitting the treadmill like that well um so there's also just like insane repetitive stress that doesn't get any type of 
variance in like yeah. your foot strike. I, I can't see treadmill running be, being a good thing for, for most people unless it's to really unload a certain thing that's caused by hills or or, yeah. or camber or whatever. But yeah, I I often worry when someone's running like or goes somewhere hot or has to run on the treddy for extended periods. Yeah. So like I knew that doing this session, like I was halfway through it and it was just un- like my heart rate was a bit higher than it was a couple of weeks earlier, but it was largely due to the heat. Like the pace, I still felt like I was in control. Um, but I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm done with treadmill sessions for a while now because it's just not that much fun when it's hot. Um, I think I, I still enjoy doing the treadmill for some of my just easy runs, uh, but I think I'm done with sessions on the treadmill until, like, it cools down. Because, I, like, I was having a fair bit of success earlier this year doing one session a week, but it's different doing a session when it's, five degrees in the garage versus like 25 and you're not getting that much air circulating through there um so anyway that was my week um so i didn't run on sunday um it's still noticeable so like if i was to like hop on that one on that leg it would be no good and what i find really aggravates it is if i put full pressure on the bad foot and then invert my foot while i've got pressure on the ground that like is really bad whereas if i lift my foot up and i invert my foot there's no there's no pain whatsoever so i don't know if you can what you can tell me jess about that but um that's <laughs> that they're, they're the symptoms um yeah sounds pretty inflamed yeah so it's look it's definitely improved a lot since saturday morning i can at least sort of walk around and not like notice it too much but i reckon it's probably um yeah like hopefully by the end of the week i'm i'm back jogging so yeah 99k for the week for me Okay. Yeah, treadmills, How's treadmills, it now? How is it? Oh, it's, now, it's yeah. much better. Like it's not as sort of, t- it's not as tender to touch anymore. Um, as I said, it would still hurt if I had to just like hop on it. Um, but I reckon it's yeah, two to three days, and it hopefully settled down. Like I haven't, it's not like I've run through it for for days. So hopefully it settles. Um, all right, let's thank some patreons. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. So Nicholas Martin, he's from Southport, Queensland, which we know it's like mm-hmm. the start line, isn't it, of the yeah. Gold Coast Marathon. Um, so we found a Nick Martin from the Gold Coast on Strava. He follows Louis McAfee, but none mm-hmm. of us. So that's a bit sad, isn't it? Does he follow Jess? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. No, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think he does. Um, that is because... such a bad follow. Only follows Louis. <laughs> So that's why I followed it up here, Moose, with hopefully it's the right one then. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not, this this man needs some uh, direction in his life. <laughs> 5K PB, 18.44. 10K, 39.44 from the Gold Coast Marathon Festival. Half Marathon, last year's Sunny Coast, 91.39. Mm-hmm. Jess, which one's the best? Quickly. Mm. Oh, geez, at the half? Or half. The, yeah. I think in the half. No, nah, I reckon like the 1844 is better than the half. Well, the, it's not the 10. Mm. It's five or the half, but we're not getting an answer. For, very non committal on this. <laughs> I'll go the five. Yeah, five for me. All right. Who you got, Jess? 
Yeah, I mean, I was tossing up between the five and the half, but um, <laughs> we'll go to five and then it's clean and we've established it's the she's five. A, she's a per- perfect replacement for Brady. Yeah, fence. Brady loves sitting on the fence. Very comfortable on a fence. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Well, I, I'm i going to struggle with the surname here, sorry. Bryce Dickus? D- Dick? Dickers? What, what do you guys think? Hold on, we've been caught out with these before. <laughs> <laughs> Say it slowly. Bryce Dickus. Mm, yeah. Bryce, yeah. Bryce, yeah. Dickus. Um, Roselle, New South Wales. PB's 5K, 1744, Rhodes Park Run. 10K, 3746, Sydney Harbour 10. Marathon, 25939 at the 2022 Canberra Marathon. Um, he's a Mulligan's Flat Track Club athlete and a big dog at Audi Mossman. So do you know Bryce? Yes, I coach Bryce. Um, um, so you Mossman? know his surname then? Well, I've only met him. Actually, I've met him once in person and that was at the Canberra Marathon. So okay. I um, I remember seeing him at like the 21K mark because I'd obviously seen photos of him on Strava. And uh, and then the, then the time I saw him after that was about 400 metres from the finish line and I was giving him a rev up because it was touch and go whether he was going to break three hours. And I don't think he realised how close he was to like missing it. And I've never seen anybody be able to sprint so much at the end of a marathon. Like I gave him this rev up and he goes from jogging to basically like full out sprint <laughs> 400 metres from the finish. I'm like, man, you have way too much left. And then I see him after the race and he's got the, he's got the, uh, the Audi singlet on bleeding nipples and I'm like oh <laughs> but like it's pretty cool like you know breaking three hours so um yeah so thanks for your support Bryce have um, you um have you guys seen Life of Brian Monty Parkin oh like yeah years, years ago like I was like I was, I was in high school I reckon when I watched that do you remember the uh biggest dickest scene <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and watch that oh please do <laughs> Dickus Dickus. <laughs> it's one of the all-time classic scenes. Uh, that's why I thought this guy might have been taking the piss here. No, nah, he's not taking the piss. So he's a big he's a big dog at Audi. You know how um these car dealerships they win these awards and get to go overseas. Like he got to go to Munich, fully paid trip Ooh. as part of uh, as part of like his job. So pretty cool. Um, all right, I've got Harry Murphy. I'm not sure whether Moose knows Harry. He's from Wendery in uh, Victoria, so like Ballarat. Mm-hmm. Works at Mount Rowan Secondary College. He's a head of house and humanities and health teacher. Um, but there's no running. I couldn't find any running stats from him. Yeah, no, I don't know no him. Use. I don't mm. never heard of him, actually. Maybe he started running since I left, or maybe this is a false name. Where yeah. do you find him on LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, I found the Harry Murphy, yeah, that works at um, yeah, Mount Rowan Secondary College. Okay, well, chances are if you're from Ballarat, then you're a runner. So we'll, it must be him. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks, Bryce, Harry and Nicholas for your support. A message now from our podcast partner, Lululemon. We've been talking about and wearing Lululemon's limited edition Movember product range. In today's world, we know that mental wellbeing support is needed more than ever. As part of Lululemon's ongoing commitment to elevate mental well-being, our partnership with Movember hopes to accelerate and expand access to well-being tools across Australia and New Zealand, creating real lasting change within our communities. You can show your support for Movember with this limited edition Lululemon Movember product collection. 
Lululemon is here to support you while you support Movember in changing the face of men's health. Try it out for yourself with free shipping and free returns for all online orders. Go to lululemon.com.au. Yeah, let's head on to running news. There's not a lot of like super, you know, important races I guess we're covering. Um, let's maybe start with the Vic Milers meet, Jess. Mm-hmm. Yep, so Archie Noakes got the win in 8.10, uh, followed by William Lewis in 8.11.36, and then closely behind him, Andy Buchanan from the 2022 Birmingham Games Marathon, 8.11.65, testing his legs over the shorter distance. Fall from grace, wasn't it? Imagine being in the Com <laughs> Games and then coming back and getting du- dusted at like 9 p.m. in some random regional track. I think Brady. I think Brady was probably more upset that his idol got beaten. Oh yeah, Brady was dirty. <laughs> uh, in the women's race, Charlotte Wilson ran 9:33 for the win. Brooke Williams in 9:51, and then Saskia Lloyd. Is that Brett Robinson's girlfriend? 9:52. I know sure. he's dating a Saskia. Mm. Uh, perhaps. Mm. But Charlotte Wilson just, oh, she took off early. Uh, did you guys watch this? No, I didn't see it. No, uh, yeah, she was impressive. She, like, the field was there, and then she just all of a sudden surged and just started mm. running away. And, uh, like, it's, it's a big, big gap, really, in an A race of a, uh, a Milers meet. Like, Milers, there's some credentialed runners. Um, the women's field was a bit weaker than the men's field no doubt but still pretty impressed with how she busted the field open there Mm. and what events do you have moose what are you going to recap oh yeah so well run for geelong was on this wouldn't normally get a mention but (laughs) friend of the show ali she had her first race back since (laughs) being uh having a baby and um having COVID. so she ran 35 25 hilly course that's a pretty good result. I did not expect it. Is. It is. I thought that was that really fast. impressive. Yeah, you should see the course. It's not quick, not quick at all, like hilly. Uh, and she had a few of her teammates, like surf club teammates around to chase down, so there was a bit of competition there. Were you surprised, Moose, that she was able to do that off what she's been doing? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, definitely was. Like if you look at her workouts – doesn't suggest she could do this, but some people just can race. Mm, yeah. Some people just have that gene where you put them on a start line, and it's a, she was like that. Like any sport you give her, she she'll she'll compete. Uh, <laughs> in some, but she's obviously a natural runner. Were, so. were there good prizes for this event? Oh, I don't think so. No, okay. yeah. this this used to be run Geelong, and it used to be the Cottonon Foundation mm-hmm. used to run it, and it, it used to every single dollar used to go to the hospital appeal. So or the um, building a new children's ward at Geelong Hospital. And a fun run or an event where every single dollar of your entry goes to it, plus all the fundraising and stuff, that is impressive. Like that means Cotton On basically fund the event and they don't use the entries to pay for it or to help fund it. Um, So this... It used to be massively supported. It was Troopy. Troopy was, did run. He he worked. He was the founder of Run Geelong early days, and then Cotton On took. There was a, there's, you know, like some, uh, 
there was a bit of dispute over the race, I guess. Um, but in the end, Cotton On took it over and, and put it on for a long time. And then the foundation, once they built the children's ward, they sort of gave the race away and they got taken over again. But it still goes to the hospital. I'm not sure whether it's every dollar anymore. Um, yeah, you used to see guys like Joel Selwood promoting it, and I guess I think he was sponsored by Cotton On. That'd be why. But yeah, Cotton On sponsored Geelong Footy Club. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and um, they've got lesser known Geelong footballers that sponsor that that are the ambassadors now, like <laughs> Reese Stanley, um, not quite Selwood type. <laughs> <laughs> Ali was an ambassador actually, uh, no. but it's still it's good to have a a town or a fun run in your city that people get up and about for, even if it's just to walk the course. Mm. Uh, the males, Brett Alice won the race and I can't find him on Strava and there's no results on the website, but I know that he was about 30 seconds in front of a guy I coached, Daniel Hart, who was second place and he ran 32.15. So I reckon it was about 31.45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was a mile in Japan Fukuoka Road Mile. Yeah. Apparently it was put on by the um, foundation. Suguru Osaka has some sort of organisation that um, put this on. And Stewie McSween went over it. There must have been some good cash going on because he's gone over to Japan to run a four-minute mile and win. And he took his MTC teammate, Georgia Griffith, and she won as well, 4.31. So mm. a little payday there. Yeah, I was thinking mm. this must be a new event because, like, early on in the week I saw Stewie put up on Instagram, like, a, you know, photo that he was in Japan. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Stewie's doing in Japan. And then I saw this pop up and I'm like, I've never known of a road mile over in Japan before that Aussies travel for. Yeah, I know. I didn't, I, It was the first time, I think. And obviously, I think second place was 404, so he's he's won it easy. I wonder if there's a – because I, I thought I saw somewhere that somebody wrote, oh, like it might have been Georgia, good start to the roads, like to the season over here or something. Or like, so I wonder if there's a, a series of races that they do over there. I guess we'll find out in the next week or two if, if they race more. But, um, yeah, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, just a couple of other quick ones. Um, there was the Gong 5000 Chapter 2, so like the Wollongong – track club have been trying to put on a few events they they did a 5k on the track last year um and this year they put a 5k on uh around the new um cro- uh, criterion bike track so i think it was like five laps or something uh luke hints won the men's in 14 29 and katie mahoney uh won the women's in 17 15 and the last one uh Carcor cup so Carcor is this tiny little town halfway between Cowra and Bathurst. Uh, population is less than a 1,000, um, and they have a marathon, a half marathon, a 10K, kids race, a marathon relay. There's over $13,000 in prize money for this event. Um, so the half marathon, which it's not quite half, I think it's like 20 and a half K, but it, it's you know, <laughs> some, some dirt roads, some hills, so it's not a quick course anyway. Uh, but Rory Hunter won in 68.35, Benny Saint was second in 68.53 and James Nippers was third in about 70 flat. So Thought not a bad... good to see Nipper out again. Yeah, not a bad podium uh, in this really, really small country town. Um, boys out there obviously chasing a bit of cash. I think it was like $1,200 for first. Uh, Paige Campbell won the women's in 76.36 and Katie Pora 
uh, who's one of Dick Telford's athletes, was second in 77-10. And, and the reason I put this in was probably more the fact that, you know, we had one of our biggest 10K races here in Canberra last weekend, and Rory Hunter didn't run. Um, Katie Pora didn't run. Paige did did run. But, you know, if a small town can put on an event where they're dishing out $13,000 in prize money, surely like the major fun run in the Australian capital can, you know, get a bit of money to, you know, to, to boost the popularity of the event and get, you know, guys like Rory, Jai, um, all the big dogs in Canberra out there running. Mm. So, so sort of I, just doubling I, down I, a little I bit. <laughs> I um, No, no, I liked it. I listened last week and I thought that's good from you. I understand when races pop up and there are there is no prize money because it, it being part of a couple of race organizations myself like I, I see it's pretty tight especially early in the um when you're setting a race up it's pretty hard to to be given prize money it doesn't make sense especially in the level of race that I put on but when you when you're talking about an existing race that's been there for so long as well as the tradition and um the the sort of heritage of the race yeah. and always there's a different story when you start pulling prize money away from events that's different because that's been there that's the, the that's the the culture of the event and um it's like when you start doing that like the, the money comes out of the profit basically so these guys are looking at it going what's more important this cash in our palm like a little bit extra cash a little bit extra profit from the race or providing prize money to incentivize fast runners coming. And in that, it's often a slash with incentivizing, but also supporting elite runners. Because without prize money, elite runners disappear pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But also, Moose, like if I was if I was in charge of one of these events, like I'd be willing to take a bit of a hit in the prize money to like make it an iconic event, try and build it up, you know, make it something that people are talking about, whether it be fast times or, you know, the fields that they've managed to assemble. Because I yeah. know as a, as a race director, I'd get a buzz about having, you know, elite athletes at my event. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, especially a big city race like this, yeah. like smaller, smaller town fun runs. Like I don't think anyone rocked up to run for Geelong expecting prizes. Mm. I, I don't think they would because it's a, it's a fundraising fun run. Like it, it's just not something that would be expected, but you go to a race like that put on by a commercial race organization, just like Great Ocean Roads put on by IMG. Like they have kept the prize money at what it has been since it started. And I applaud them for it. Mm. We look at, look at this car core cup, you know, like the population's less than a thousand dollars and they put $13,000 up in prize money. Um, you know, like another fun run here, uh, Orange, they do the same thing. They have quite good prize money for their marathon half and 10, which is often like five weeks before Canberra Marathon. So, you know, if small country towns can do it, then surely they can do it in the capital. They must have big sponsors come on board for that. Yeah, they must. Like, the, yeah, the, the town or the, you know, the businesses in town must get really get behind it. Yeah. It's like that golden um, mile over in WA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've got I, mining companies get on. That's easy, but... Like going around to your local bloody running store and asking for cash for prizes. <laughs> like yeah. I can tell you, that's it's a very difficult way to get fundraising. Um, like I, 
Yeah, I guess the other problem though, Moose, like we don't know. So one of the issues with like the big cities putting on events on the major roads is like the, I guess the expenses of closing those major roads. Yeah, probably means that they, you know, they probably don't make as much profit as what people think. You know, even though, you know, the big city marathon, big city events often will charge, you know, a hundred plus dollars for the half marathon. So you think, oh, I might look how much revenue they've made, but it's probably, you know. It probably doesn't cost much to close the roads in Carcor versus the main road in Canberra. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was staggered to to see how much it cost when I was helping with that Ballarat race run for mm. a cause. Yeah, staggered to see how much road crossings were, like just the traffic control. A lot of the time, you get uh don't like people anyway. People but even, don't, but yeah, yeah, but even like I'm just talking like even if you put a thousand dollars up for first place, like you're going to get some elite guys turn up. Yeah. So, anyway, all right, that's running news. Uh, Moose, we are going to review some product from Lululemon now. Firstly, a big thanks to Lululemon for sending us some gear to wear and review. As a result of their partnership with Movember, Lululemon have released a special Movember product capsule. When you buy something from this range, five dollars will be no- donated to Movember. So, Moose, uh, we got some of this Movember-inspired kit. Uh, what did you receive? Well, I went for the Surge Line Short 6-inch, which is the Movember kind of uh, specialty, I guess, given that there's uh, little moustaches all over the short. So it's like a grey base short with, I'm going to say there'd be thousands of little white mustaches all over them yep. so kind of pretty unique pattern um not going to confuse it with anything has a little bit of boxer short appearance just because of the pattern i i really like that that there's something different mm. sometimes it gets really boring just wearing black shorts so i like this um i use the four inch version of this the surge line short uh, there's like a little there's an inner to the short um which is I don't really have in other shorts. Underneath in the little liner bit, there's like a little phone pocket, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I use I ran in these tonight and I used the the big phone pocket in in the back. The um I hate take like now that I've actually worn shorts, the apparel that you can hold your phone in, I hate putting my spy belt on these days. And so I, I lo- love to be able to just carry my phone in my shorts. And th- some phone pockets are better than others. This one here, you can pull your phone out on the run and change songs or skip through Brady's um, week review on Road to Valencia, just get to the good stuff, um, and then put it back all with it while you're still running. That's so much better than having to stop and actually fiddle around, open zippers, try to get your phone out, and then have to start running again. So big fan of how they incorporated that. It's a bit longer of a short than I'd normally roll with, and I probably wouldn't do a workout in this, a bit too much coverage. But if you're like me, workout days are for the two-inch shorts or really warm days, maybe we'll rock a two-inch. But for these training, like a Monday easy run for me when the weather's not that great, a bit of coverage is good, so go down six inches rather than the usual four inch for me uh the the other thing that i like should mention the phone in the back pocket can occasionally bounce in certain types of shorts whereas this waistband is strong enough uh where my my shorts don't fall down 
and my phone doesn't bounce. So I think that's an important thing. And these are all intricate runner things that sometimes brands like Lululemon that sort of maybe haven't catered for the specialty running in the past, they can often overlook. But they have nailed this. They've nailed the actual, um, like the technical, what, what runners want, I guess, from a short. Small little nerdy things like this that could be the make or break is if you buy another pair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I got the, I got the same moose, and the one thing like I really like is the liner. So most running shorts that I've ever had, the liner has just been like an undie sort of feel to it, whereas these ones are like a full sort of half tight in a way, or they come further down your down your leg. Mm. Um, so I really like that. Uh, also, one of the other features which I'll use a lot is um, the little strap at the side where you can actually put your singlet or shirt. So you know oh, how sometimes yeah. you, go, you go out for a run and it'll start off pretty cool, but then you get hot and you you want to uh, get the chest out. So you take your singlet or shirt off and you're like, well, what do you do with it then? You either scrunch it up and run with it in your hand or you sort of maybe shove it down your pants or you try and tuck it in at the back. But this on the side has like a little um, little strap that you can actually just slide your, your shirt or your singlet down and it'll just sort of sit on the side of your side of your pants it, so. it's so funny you mentioned that because i've seen ads for this type of thing before and I, I i look at the ad and think nobody's ever done that in ever and but i always take my shirt off and i always roll it up and i always tuck it into the back of my like waistband so it gets all sweaty and disgusting and generally it comes off after less than sort of two or three minutes of running anyway so i've got to wash it you strap it in here you probably don't have to wash it uh this is this is a win maybe maybe even just going for a walk if the only thing like it doesn't have the side pocket if you're uh just out casually rolling around but that's why it's a running short because you can't do both you can't do casual and running together that's right. And uh, what about from the the tops? Did you get a Movember top? Yeah. So I haven't run in this yet. I've worn this ca- casually, or as Brady would say, well, I wore this to the pub. Um, this it's a nice it's a nice sort of soft fabric, but it does have a good cut to it. Where I like literally just go for a walk in it. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to run in it, which is a shame. But I like I can't see it being a problem. The cut is like again Lululemon, pretty fashionable brand. This is something that like a lot of the the t-shirts I've got in my wardrobe, I would not just chuck on and and go out for lunch in. Whereas I'd do that with this, which yeah, it's, I mean it's probably not exactly what they want their running t-shirts to, <laughs> or like the details they want talked about. But that's the that's the uh, the truth of the matter. They look good. Mm, why wore this one to work? Like as a PE teacher out running around the Oval. Um, yeah, and it, you know, it looks good as well. So that's why I was able to wear it to work. So, um, And what about from their just normal range? I'll, I'll go first actually with the normal range. So um, I got another pair of their uh, Surge half tights, the eight inch ones. And the last time Lululemon sent us some gear, I managed to get uh, the same pair of tights. So I requested these ones again because they have been the best tight that I've ever owned. Um, I don't know when we got, maybe when we get these early, early this year or late last year, and I've pretty much worn them for every single long run this year. 
Um, I raced in them at the Gold Coast. Um, so to have another pair is awesome. Um, like the thing I love about these, the side pockets. So every uh, like every brand of of short that I've ever had before, like yes, they have gel pockets, but they're not always the easiest to access. Mm. So they're either like inside your short and you, you know, sometimes they're a bit tied up against your your legs. So, you, you know, you've got to try and pull the short away to get it out. Whereas these ones, the the um, the uh, was it the pockets are actually on the outside. There's one on each side. I can fit like three gels on on each side. So like you know six six gels I can carry on me and I can get them out quite easily. Um, there's another little zip pocket as well. Uh, and just the material, like when I put these on, I actually feel like I'm not wearing really anything because the fabric is just so thin. Um, obviously, they've got the, the undie liner in them, so you don't wear undies with them, but I, like I feel like I'm wearing nothing. So, um, yeah, as I said, they're the best tight I've ever owned and will be my go-to race uh, race tight if I uh, ever race again, yeah. Good. Yeah, they are good. Uh, I've, I went for the four-inch version of the six-inch that I've got just coming in the summer i don't like wearing big shorts i like small shorts so four inch uh with that liner that they use there like don't have to get the body glide out when you got that on um Mm. and can put your phone in the back still so it covers me but just with a little less coverage yep and um i heard you went down to the lululemon um the big dogs down there in melbourne moose they give you anything else Oh, not well, not really. I had a um, conference a couple of weeks ago, and we were just a few doors up. And one of my friends, M, she works there now, and she uh, she bagged up a bunch of cool shit. And I am pretty happy about it. Actually, <laughs> I'm sitting there in a pair of like joggers. I guess you'd call them. They're like a oh, Lululemon known for their pants and tights. So this is like a um, running pant, but. I mean, I, I wear it everywhere. Got a little puffer vest, got another pair of bright pink, um, I think they're the six-inch shorts, got a sleeveless top, got a hoodie that I wore all around on my holiday. Yeah, I, I was looked after. Mm. And just it just looks like it's the right cut. There is a big difference between a, like a good cut and a poor cut. Yeah, yeah. And also just the quality of the materials. Um, but as you said earlier on, like, traditionally lululemon like if you told me five years ago that the favorite my favorite running type would be lululemon like i wouldn't have believed you but they're really bridging that gap from i guess you know i used to always see them as more of a sort of a yogury type sort of brand um but they've really sort of transitioned well into this running space yeah they're going after running big time um and i think you're going to see some of that play out up the front of races shortly as well they're, they want to be known, they want to be credible, and they're going to um, support some athletes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to Lululemon. If you want to uh, catch their range, just go to lululemon.com.au. All right. Listen to question. Uh, this is a good one, I reckon. Um, not that Jess ever has any bad marathons, but the <laughs> question is, Best way to accept and move forward after a disappointing race in brackets marathon. Do you find one in the future? Uh, work out what went wrong and focus on that after recovery, etc. Uh, so that question comes in from Sydney. I like it because we talk. We're on here talking about you know how to best prepare for it, but we don't do too much about all right. 
if you do, if it's not your day, um, how do you bounce back from it not being your day? Well, let's start by asking Jess, what is the worst running race experience you've had and how did you get over it? Yeah, it was actually the Zadapec 10 in 2018. I remember it so clearly. I had run a few marathons that year um, with the last one being in Toronto in late October and I got back to Australia and didn't plan to run Zadapec and then sort of got back into training, did a bit of track work and thought, nah, um, things are feeling all right and with a bit of encouragement was like, nah, I'm going to do it and I flew over on the day of the race because I had a work commitment in Adelaide earlier that day lined up and by 5k just I, I just had nothing in my legs and I ended up um, not finishing the race and <laughs> I just remember pulling off and yeah being shattered and I think um, like Tamsin was there and trying to you know console me and say it was all okay but I was just so disappointed in myself for not finishing that race. Um, I'm just trying to think about I mean <sighs> The best way to accept it, I think it's particularly hard if it's a marathon that goes wrong because you can't just back up and do one, mm. you know, a month later usually. It, it, you do have to respect the recovery from it. But I think there's just always so much to learn from races, whether they go well or whether they go wrong. So you you do need to just see it as an opportunity to set yourself up better for the next race. And I'm I'm still not really sure what I learned from that track race other than just needing to respect preparation and um uh I think yeah if a if a marathon went wrong I think you'd look at your preparation and then your tactics on the day and and your fueling and and uh you know get a few points together that you want to work on for next time and give yourself the time off that you need but then eventually set yourself a new goal and, and just get excited about it and know that you'll be stronger because um you're not going to make those same mistakes again mm. jess have you done much of this sort of stuff with a sports psych at all like you know you know the only, the only poor race i can think of you having like recently which was probably like gold coast half like especially given mm. then you know, you came off like Launceston, which was great, and then you went to Gold Coast, and then to bounce back the way you did for the Com Games, like, have, did you do anything with the sports psych about like bouncing back from a poor race or? I did. So um, in the Gold Coast half, and actually the Melbourne half as well, I really struggled after about fourteen-ish k's, and it was a breathing issue and I haven't been able to really work out what the cause is I had a bit of trouble when I was a, like a young girl running cross country it doesn't really fit with asthma because it's when I'm breathing in um but the Gold Coast half and the Melbourne half were some of my hardest races this year because I just was really wheezing and and battled to the finish line um and it, it could be psychological as well, um, and that was what, uh, not knowing what caused it um, scared me going into Birmingham, but also going into New York. Like I try to go into the race, you know, having no doubt that everything will go well, but this breathing thing when it kicks in, I, I have absolutely no control over it and haven't worked out a way when it comes on to, to, to stop it. So I was 
obviously, yeah, nervous before Birmingham. I spoke to a sports psych about it and, and we basically came up with a plan that the only way I'd been able to get rid of it was to stop. So I'd pull off, stop, walk for a bit and get going again. I didn't work with a sports psychologist after, well, between Melbourne Marathon and New York. I just had to try and block it out and, and hope that it wouldn't happen in the run. But fortunately, it's never happened in a marathon. I think it's the intensity or sort of running sub 320s or something for over 12Ks. It sort of tends to be around that 50-minute mark. Um, yeah, I've I've had this issue. So um, that that's definitely been one that I've talked to a sports psychologist about to just come up with some strategies. Also talking to my sports doctor as well to see whether it's something um, more mechanical. Mm-hmm. What about you, Moose? Yeah. How do you move yeah. forward after a disappointing race? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty analytical about stuff if it means a lot to me. If I have a poor race and it's not significant, yeah, I don't even really think about it. I just don't care too much. Because most of my racing that I care about is marathoning, it's almost all that I care about. It doesn't affect me too much if, yeah, I have a shit one. Sometimes I wonder what happened. Sometimes I wonder if I could have done something different on the day. But most of the time I sort of get through and just start doing a workout the ne- like whenever the next workout is, I just look forward to doing that again. But if it's a marathon that goes bad, it is different and we because we care about it more. Like I'd say the three of us here probably consider the marathon our, our pet event um, and it takes a long time to build for one and there's a lot of emotion and sacrifice commitment that goes in, which is great if you have a good day and it's like the glory's there. But if you don't, and you're forced to step off or or you have a blow up and you jog it in and you're not happy with how things went um it does crush you and it crushes you because you know it's happening at the time but afterwards it is kind of you just kind of want to disappear you just want to kind of hide and 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 it's embarrassing i always get embarrassed when i had a shit one because it just i don't know why but i feel like it's funny because at the time you feel like everyone, like the spotlight's on you and everyone's seen it and everyone knows. But when you kind of look back um, later on, you realise, you know, it is just sort of you and your immediate circle who probably are thinking about it the next day. Everyone else yeah. moves on, but it's hard to feel like that in the moment. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, I, I love, like I've had one really bad one and I was, it, it was really bad because I was so fit and I got a niggle a few weeks out and it kind of derailed me. And then I Brady paced me for this. It was Melbourne Marathon. Can't remember what year, 2014 maybe. And he took me through about halfway and uh, just on 70 minutes, like spot on, I reckon. And I was trying to run 220 and I knew at that point it wasn't happening. But I, I persisted anyway and... And it was it was shit. I blew up and jogged in and around two twenty seven. Just had a shocker, and I remember afterwards just like it 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 did it did hit me pretty hard. And it's I think it's good to get hit hard. Like it 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 means that you care, mm. and and you've got to embrace. Like you've got to just accept. Like this is the if you're going to invest that much emotion into an event like this, it goes both ways. Like 
if I didn't care about the running, if I didn't invest so much of my own life into training and, and wanting and, and I'm committing to it, then I'm not going to get the big ups that come with it. Mm. So, like, I get and when, I have, you, yeah. oh, when you're hurting that much and really struggling you mentally, like the discipline and, you know, the places you have to go to keep yourself going, um, it makes you feel afterwards that you can kind of get through anything. Like, you know, in future races that when it gets tough, you've – You've got yeah. the capacity to kind of get through a, a lot of hurt. <laughs> you learn about yourself, don't you? Like you, yeah. you like oh, even though I ran two twenty seven, I was pr- I was proud at the finish line that I didn't stop running, and and that was something that I took away. I was bitterly disappointed with the the result, but I was proud at a certain point where I'm like, this is fucked. Why would I bother finishing this off? And I just kept going, and I thought, you know what, that was that was my little win at the end of the day. Um, that was the bit that I take away from the race and go, yeah, you're not like you blew up, you did some dumb shit, it was a bad race, but you're not a pussy. Like you can't call me a pussy after that one. And I remember thinking a month ago you were in the best shape of your life, so there's that to look forward to again. Um, yeah good answers the only couple of things i'll have to add is so many people will bomb out of the marathon and go oh that 12 weeks i did was such a waste of time but you got to remember that that work that you did doesn't just leave you and will actually set you up well for another crack like it may not be a crack in 12 weeks time but in 24 weeks time like the work that you've done for that marathon block still stays with you for quite a while um another thing is if you find enjoyment in the process, I think it's much easier to accept a poor marathon because you've actually still enjoyed training for it and you know enjoy running. Whereas if you're only doing it for the success, it's much harder, I guess, to bounce back. Um, and my last one is probably just put it into perspective. And this is probably one thing, and it's a question for you and you, or both of you actually, but since I became a parent, like running has become like a lot more insignificant for me probably to the detriment of my running because it just doesn't seem that important to what it used to be um I don't know how you guys feel about that yeah no I can relate to that and like I know you shared some of like you know your mum's health troubles earlier in the year Moose but I think that really puts things in perspective too like um some yeah. of the yeah the things that my dad's been dealing with with his treatment, I'm just like far out. Running a marathon's nothing. Like it's it is very temporary compared to some of the health issues that people work through. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, no, it is. And I think you can like do. You, did you do those things come to you in the back half of New York? Like, is that something that pops in your your mind? Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. They do. Good answer. I reckon we nailed that. I didn't didn't think we'd go for that long on that question, but that was good. Thanks, Sydney, for that question. Um, Moose, Moose on the loose. Uh, yeah. So, Brad, Brad, you've got one here. Why don't you go first? Yeah. There's. I've seen a little bit of this on Facebook, and a few people have sent it into our Instagram account as well about some athletes in Queensland being DQ'd for running in super shoes at the state 5K champs on the track. Um, and I believe that most of the athletes that were being DQ'd were like masters athletes. Um, and like, I feel like we've gone back, what, 
18 months when, you know, this was a, a thing where the rules were brought in that you couldn't wear super shoes on the track, but we just got to let it go. Like, yeah, if you're, if you're competing for a state medal or you want to break a record, then you need to be in the right shoes. But for everybody else, just let them run. Like, who cares? Yeah, it's it needs like it. It just has to be um, just common sense. Like you, like you said, it, it, first division races. Okay, like maybe we should just have people wear spikes in the first division race. After that, who cares? Like you said, um, if someone's trying to break a record, yep, make sure they're in spikes. If someone's running a Zatapet qualifier, World Champs qualifier, whatever, have them in spikes. Outside of that, let's just forget about this, please. Yeah, because you just ruin the sport. Like people, people just won't want to come if they bust their ass for five k and then they go up to the they go up to the canteen where they you know back back in the day they used to always post the results close to the yeah. canteen on the on the on the wall. You're going, oh, what what was my official time? Oh, DQ. Why did I get DQ'd? Oh, my shoes. Oh, well, stuff this. I'm not coming back next week. <laughs> Find something else to do. Everything that's wrong with our sport, right there. <laughs> Um, it's like in little athletics when they used to not let kids run because they had a logo on their apparel. So say they wore a pair of shorts or something and it had a Nike swoosh or an ASICS symbol. If it wasn't, they would have to either tape it up or they weren't allowed to run because they weren't a sponsor. It's some bullshit. Uh, All right. So my one, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time now and of certain, a lot of different podcasts that have crept through their <laughs> their headphones. Um, lately, it's still running podcasts. It's some dog stuff, of course. I won't talk about the dog stuff, <laughs> don't worry. And the other thing is um, crime podcasts. I, I love crime podcasts still. And there's one way to ruin a good podcast. It's when you get a guest on but then you talk about yourself and you give your own anecdotes the entire time. (laughs) Fucking drives me insane. Like you've gone out of your way to get a prestigious sought after guest on your show, yet you're going to just talk to them about your own running or your own bloody detective work or your own thoughts on dog training or dog tools or whatever. Like, just get them on. Let them speak. Just listen. Ask a few questions. Fuck. It, it's in. It just. It's so disrespectful too. And I can hear it in the guest voice. I'm like, why did you get me on for you just to rant about your own shit? This is a waste of my time. It's. It, it's. It's very bad in one particular podcast I listen to on rotation, a running one, and drives me nuts. Um, but. Is also then once I started hearing that I could see a pattern in all the other podcasts I listen to, and now I think about it so much I have to stop listening. Yeah. There's... Now that you now that you said that, Moose, I feel bad that we went through our training weeks after we had Jess here. We should have just, <laughs> we should, have just should have just stopped it after New York. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am the Bogong the Hotham course record holder. <laughs> Great run, that one. I remember it was cancelled one year when I was up in Falls because of the weather. Mate, it's it's cancelled yeah. nine out of ten years. That's why I've still got the record. <laughs> I won the Steve Prefontaine Memorial Run Moose and got, oh, my, mate, got, got, my, Don't worry. got my photo in the Run for Your Life magazine. 
Oh, yeah. Run for your, I reckon I saw you. Did you used to wear a um, black run for your life singlet? Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah, so I remember seeing pictures of you back in the day. Yeah, I had the mo. I had some frosted tips to try and um, oh, have my boy. hair like pre. Yeah. I still have a very big pile of run for your life magazines stored away somewhere. It'll be fun to pull out in another 10 years. Were you ever sponsored? Were you ever one of those... I remember that. I was going to say, you were an Addy runner. Yeah. And Lara Tamsit. Oh, yeah. That's right. Tim Rowe. Yeah. Was he, was he an Addy runner? There yep. was a guy from um, Tim, Grant Page. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dewey Yoa, maybe? Oh, yeah, maybe. yeah. He was Moose. definitely added us, yeah. Yeah. Could have been Addy runner. Wow. It's taking me back. How, how embarrassing that we know all the Addy runners. But also, it's because of that magazine. It shows that they all, it obviously worked program. though, didn't it? Absolutely. Ta- uh, Tamara Carvolth. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, one more. I've got it for you. Melanie Vernon. Oh, what's that? Yes, Melinda. Yeah, Melinda, yeah. Melinda Vernon. Yeah. You, you got mentioned Tara Palm as well? Oh, yes, Tara. She was one of the first ones. Yeah. We've done pretty well there to rattle them all off. So I've got – I inherited a, a running magazine collection that goes back to, like, the – I think it's the early 80s, and it's pretty much every runner's world that's come out since the early 80s to now. Oh, well, no, it stopped getting collected, I reckon, maybe three years ago. And all the Run For Your Life's, all the runner's world, track and field times, is it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. like, eight – um big storage tubs worth so i had to find an image the other day of benita willis it was a nike ad so after she won world cross nike put an ad in the um i think it was australian runners world and they made their own ad up where it was um they changed the nike like low oh what was it shit let me i've got to find it actually sorry just give it's worth it and the guy like the guy that was in charge of it from nike um he listens to the podcast geez let me just pull this up so um uh daniel hopkins he he actually um worked for 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 nike at the time he was like an advertising guy um and he made up a he made up a um, ad, and it was instead of Nike, it was Crikey. She's beaten the Africans um, <laughs> in the same the same font as Nike, and it ran. and It says, "Congratulations, Benita Johnson, IAAF World Cross Country Champ." That's when you know 04. you've made it. <laughs> yeah, and he, it, because they airbrushed New Balance off the um, off the uniform, they were the sponsor, and so <laughs> he had to write an official apology because they were in the process of suing Nike because of it. Um, yeah, it's so cool. Like, anyway, I had to go, like, I was I was, I was going to put that image on a, on a wall in our store, um, the same, like, that, uh, like, with the crikey and that. I don't think I'd be able to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never, I, I, something happened and something came up, but I haven't done it yet. But um, I had to go search. There was no... There's no image of this anywhere on the internet. And there's the only way I could get it was to go back through the magazine. And, and I had went through, trawled through about like 10 different magazines because I knew the year and I knew the, um, 
around the same the date that it would come out and yeah it was pretty special I'll, I'll put i'll post it in the our group and brady can do something with it right, cool. i'll send it to you jess so you can see that'd be awesome all right well that wraps up another week uh what do you got coming up jess yeah not much <laughs> um it's kind of fun not having a training routine. I think I'll um, just go for some swims and um, just enjoy, yeah, not um, having to get out for those afternoon runs more than anything. Like I do like to be active in the mornings, but it's just in a marathon prep, the grind of getting out at the end of the day as well that I find tough. So mm. it'll be nice not to have to worry about that. And will we see you on the track over summer? World cross, yeah. country, world cross country trials? Potentially, yeah. The next sort of six weeks, if anything, I'd love to be able to help Caitlin Adams out a bit as she's preparing for her races. So just like jump in and do parts of sessions. I don't really have any plans for the rest of this year, but yeah, run at Strumlow could be good. Mm, so World Cross is on the on the like radar. I don't really like. I haven't sat down with Adam yet and really planned things out. Um, I've actually not done the um, 10k cross. The last time I did it, it was 8k. So. Mm. I think yeah. um, I'd prefer the 10. And what about you, Moose? What's coming up, your um, little conference? Yeah, I got that this week. So that'll be in Melbourne late in the week. So I'll be running around the city of Melbourne on Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Very good. And uh, any anything to report from the running, like any races planned next couple of weeks? Oh, I'm going to have to look at a calendar. Maybe I'll go do a park run in Torquay. I've never done the Torquay park run. Mm, good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got Road to Valencia coming up. I think their boys are recording on Wednesday, so that'll be episode six. So tune in to hear how Brady and Toby's um, 3x7K session went in Moama on Sunday. Uh, we've got the Vic 5K this Thursday, and Point to Pinnacle is also on Sunday. So that's, um, I guess, what we'll be reporting on next week. But um, thanks so much, Jess, for giving up your time again. It's uh, very thanks generous of you. Me. And, uh, yeah, you add so much to the show every time you come on, so we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Yeah, cheers, Jess. Thank you. All right. And, uh, Moose, we'll be back next week with – we're not sure yet. We need to find a, uh, a guest host. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find one. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again. Chat See soon. Ya. Bye. Bye. Lululemon supports you while you support Movember. Discover their Movember collection at lululemon.com.au.